to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Well, we have another returning guest to join the show once again. We got Clay's Willing here in just a couple minutes. Very timely episode, Corey. A lot of new and changing parts within the industry. And Clay's going to shed some light on some of that. Yeah, uh, there is one question and topic specifically uh, that uh, I asked Clay, and I'm very excited for those that have listened to it on our Facebook page to get the full story. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, but yes, he was on the Ractopamine episode there for a quick bit, and now uh, we're going to dig in a little bit more into that. But before we do that, there are some folks that we got to thank because this deal would not be possible with people like Walton Webcasting, uh, who are now doing some very innovative things within our industry with the cyber stock shows. Uh, this week is the Laird Grand National. So uh, hope you all signed up for that. And then the greatest of all time show is the one after that. The so there is all kinds of shows happening uh, even in a weird time, uh, this is not the new normal. It's just the temporary fix, so we can get some pig showed. So you'd be and goats and goats. Yeah, I shouldn't say just pigs. Uh, WaltonWebcasting.com. Yeah, that's WaltonWebcasting.com, dude. I had a a great time in Walton commentating the uh, the Sunglow Quarantine Classic. Man, it was. It was a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. I uh, wish I could have stuck around for the crossbreds on uh, Saturday, but it was cool. Spencer Morrison and I had a very, very fun time. Uh, I would encourage anybody to go back and watch that show if they care to have uh, some comedic relief while watching pigs get sorted. So, uh, Corey, how how do I go back and rewatch that? Because I already missed it. Yeah, just go to Walton Webcasting. And the cool thing uh, I learned while I was there is that all of these virtual shows, these cyber stock shows, as they call them, are free. So you don't even have to subscribe or pay any sort of fee to watch those shows back. And so for those that have not entered uh, a cyber stock show yet or for those that have and and maybe missed it um, or, or maybe want to get some more comments and feedback on those hogs that you exhibited, here's your chance. Uh, totally free, which is cool. Um, but if you really want to dive back into the archives, four ninety nine a month. Yeah, not not bad. All things not considered, bad. not bad at all. All things considered. Um, so that yeah, it was a ton of fun. We uh, <laughs> we swapped stories. We, we talked a lot about lawn care. Um, and I did Tiger not realize King, this. I heard. Yeah, Spencer Morris is a is a Scots yard guy. Oh, apparently. Yeah. Um, I used to live right down the road from Scott's headquarters, actually. Yeah, you did. In uh, Marysville, Ohio. Uh, nice lawns there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All kinds of stuff. But um, so, yeah, uh, very intriguing stuff there at waltonwebcasting.com. Now, we do have a show of our own happening. Uh, we just closed the the showman, uh, the pig showmanship contest. Uh, so we've got results coming or the top 10. It's already been announced this morning. Yes. Congratulations. And congratulations to you guys. Um, it's, it was tough. We had 27 states 
across the United States to listen or to uh, to exhibit. In the you know, that's contest. more than 26 states. Just saying. That's more than half of them. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> math. So Quick math there. We're pumped uh, about that. Uh, we're going to move into the second round. Top 10 in each division are battling it out now. Uh, just incredible young people. But uh, speaking of incredible, um, I go to showpig.com to buy my incredible show pigs. And um, that's probably where you should go to. Showpig.com is the industry-leading source for show pigs. Not only that, but if you're on the selling sides, whether it be service or show pigs, they have specials. They have a directory link, or if you're a breeder, you need to be on that link, and it is, what, 225 for a full year? Yeah. So not Pretty nice. too shabby to reach thousands of people. Get an inbox e-blast with 18,000 inboxes. It's a lot of inboxes. It's, it's more than uh, more than 17,000 inboxes. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, just awesome uh, stuff. Yeah, and I would also like to point out that uh, for those that may be uh, depressed and not buying livestock right now, um, or or maybe wondering what it is that you can do to bolster your program as as we move forward, there is a significant amount of bread gilt sales happening mm-hmm. uh, on showpig.com. So um, some cool stuff happening there. I also noticed... Uh, our our good friend and friend of the show, uh, past guest, two time guest, Scott Campbell. They're having an astroturf sale. What? Yeah. So like, if anybody wants to really make their show barn uh, in wash rack facilities Dude. look impressive, check out that one. Uh, May in 17th, pictures. So uh, shout out to Tom Worth. He's a small pig breeder here in Ohio that's actually has some really, really awesome stuff. His pictures were taken on turf. Way cool. Oh. Game changer. So the, the show pig people are adopting what the sheep people have been doing for the last few years now. Yes. I loved it. You could see toes. It was awesome. Hmm. Not dusty. That is actually pretty cool. So That's pretty cool. Good stuff there. Um, so... Uh, folks, we'd like to hear from you about these news segments. We haven't heard much, so hopefully no news is good news. But uh, we got Hats Off. Hats Off is, of course, brought to you by Fierce Threads, the only company we use for our screen printing and embroidery needs. Fierce-threads.com is the place to go to get your screen printing and embroidery done. Not only that, but they have the Big Paul Lifestyle Company, which... You need to check out their Be Nice line. It's a yes. suicide prevention uh, shirt that was designed by no other than Tarbo Marketing and Design, uh, but quoted by no other than Will Winter. That's right. Forms the shape of a semicolon, which, as we know, we don't stop when we see a semicolon. We just pause and keep moving. Yes. Um, not an easy subject to tackle, but the folks at Big Paw... Uh, have done it eloquently and very awesome collaboration. I have a be nice shirt, very comfortable, fits well, slimming on a big guy like me. Oh yeah. Also, which is always nice. Um, Trev, I am pumped to get some apparel out there too. Like we've got, we've got some neat ideas cooking. 
not quite ready to be pulled out of the oven yet. Yes. But uh, stay tuned for all those that are are interested in some stock talk. Masterpiece takes time. We just got to take a little bit of time to get the right apparel from Fierce Threads. Yes. Actually, how about this? Uh, Since we're still in the baking process, what do you want? Yes, please tell us. As listeners, what... What swag do you want? Do you want us to come up with some with some really cool designs from previous episode, guests, quotes, uh, you know, whatever it is, we would we would love we did a t shirt design contest when we first launched, um that turned out pretty cool and and uh you know, Jim McCoy came up with that and those t shirts sold out very quickly and we don't have any left and so um yeah. What do you want? What do you, the listeners, what do you, the listeners want from us for apparel? Yes. Snapchat, Facebook, whatever. Send us your thoughts. So Corey, um, hats off new segment that we introduced a couple weeks ago. My hat goes off to the commercial producer this mm. week. Uh, rather you be in any species, uh, times are tough right now for, for the producer, rather it be commercial or not. But Specifically, the commercial producer this week, my hat is going to go off to. I don't know the future, unfortunately, but there will be light at the end of this tunnel. It just really, really sucks that we have to euthanize animals because of the lack of demand. Uh, But my hat goes off to you guys for your strength, your courage, your can-do attitude, uh, because I know going to bed at night after you have to do such thing uh, is not an easy task. And I don't want to even feel like I'm in your shoes because I'm not, but I'm talking to you, the commercial producer. My hat goes off to you. Stay strong. Move forward. There is light at the end of this tunnel. Well, uh, my my hat goes off to show moms. You know, we just celebrated Mother Day, Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, what I want people to realize Maybe some of you listening do, and I think the true, the true fans and friends of the uh, in the, you know, people that are so involved in the stock show industry, uh, know that uh, a stock show mom isn't just uh, the person that makes sure all the clothes are ironed or or jeans are starched or the crock pots on or you know there is so many moms out there that bust their tails in the show barn working with kids and helping them uh, get projects ready. And for once I would like there to be no gender stereotypes in the show stock industry. Uh, I feel like there still are. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm talking to you out there who has kept their hat on to the stock show moms and put them in a box as our good friend, Jace Tarbell. Tarbell Marketing and Design. You're getting all kinds of free stuff today, buddy. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, just get rid of the box. Let's not put stock show moms in a box because they are so much bigger than the stereotypes that they have been labeled as for years. Can't do it without them. Oh, I'm telling you, there's no better person to have in a lambing barn than my mom. Mm. There's something about the mother, just a natural mother when it comes to livestock too. Like when raising anything, the moms kind of just have that natural knack. 
Like, yeah, us dads are idiots. Well, I wouldn't, I'm not a dad. I'm a dog dad, I guess. Yes. But us men are, are, you know, let's hurry up and get, get stuff done. Yeah. There's empathy, I think, sometimes for the mothers involved, the, the four legged mothers. Yeah. You know, like, oh, let's just wait a little bit. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Anyway, so my hats go off to the show moms. Love it. Well, moms of the stock show industry. I'm pumped uh, for this episode because uh, we get into some really, really, really much needed discussion on what does the purebred swine industry look like? We get into the discussion of the draft. If you don't know what that is, we're going to dig into that here in just a bit. But Corey Edge, who do we have on this week? Although they already know. Well, you already know, but uh, if you don't know, we are welcoming a guest who has a very cool story and background that has led him into the position that he is currently a CEO of the National Swine Registry. We're talking about a guy that loves comfort food just as much as anybody, but also enjoys hitting the pavement and making world travels. We can't wait to get back into the show ring. And so to learn a little bit more about how that can happen, welcome me and joining today's guest on Stock Talk Podcast, Clay Zwilling. Well, Clay, welcome back. I know we had you on for a uh, short segment, very timely, timely then and timely now. Uh, we don't talk too much about Paley nowadays, but that was the last episode. Uh, what do you Racktopa mean episode? But Clay's Willing is back, folks, and uh, we'd like to just touch on your story and just tell us about uh, how Clay's Willing came to what he what you are today. Yeah, and really appreciate the opportunity there uh, to to be back. And I thought it was kind of ironic. I actually listened to the Ractopamine podcast yesterday, and uh, I calculated it out, and I was like, "Wow, that was ninety days ago." And it certainly <laughs> seemed like it was a year ago. No kidding. And uh, you know, I was. I think I said on the podcast I'd had thirty conversations. I think within that next month, I'd probably gone well over a hundred and I've had zero conversations <laughs> yeah. about dopamine yeah. since then. And not that it's still not an issue, but uh, certainly gives everything in perspective. I also said a lot about how, you know, it was a fluid situation. It was constantly changing. Yeah. That's uh that, that was minor compared to what we're dealing with now. So. No doubt. But uh, no, like I said, appreciate uh, the opportunity. And, uh, it's kind of a, interesting place to start, I guess, for me. I grew up in Western Illinois, uh, just south of the Quad Cities. So, um, you know, as I was looking through and thinking about today, I was looking at some of the people you've interviewed before. And I mean, I used to buy pigs and we used to buy cattle from Scott Campbell. And so people like that in that part of the world uh, got to know really well. But my brother and I uh, kind of started showing there in the 90s, and, and our families had some history in the livestock industry, and I, it goes back pretty far. Um, my great-grandfather actually raised hamsters and land race in the early 1900s and used to take uh, take them to the Chicago International by boxcar, and my grandma used to show up there as well. And we actually, uh, you know, irony, hamsters here, and who's uh, talking to you, but uh the uh, 1920 world record selling Hampshire actually came from our farm. It was a bread sow that was $2,500. So, <laughs> wow, man. 
kind of kind of crazy. And then you fast forward, and we also were um, for a while had quite a few shorthorn cows. And when I was growing up, uh, we had almost over a hundred head registered cows. Um, and so we would run cows, and then we had a you know, if, I think you all are pretty familiar with the history of Henry County and how they used to raise hogs outside. Oh, yeah. and so we did that when I was growing up. And I always tell people my first experience uh, around hogs was I actually rode my bike around in the dirt lot with a little grease chalk and we'd look open in the door and see if the sow had farrowed. And if she had, I put a little X on there to know we had to process her and <laughs> those kind of things. But uh, like many young people, uh, 1998 came and we decided that we needed to get out of the hog business uh, just from the hog crash. And that was actually my first year of 4-H. And so uh, I think one of the things that life teaches you is there's uh, everything happens for a reason. And uh, my mom had been trying to get my grandpa to sell uh, all the hogs off the farm for about, I think, her whole life. And finally, the opportunity arrived and uh, I said, I want to show a pig my first year. And my mom said, absolutely not. <laughs> and uh, I had a great uncle who also raised hamsters and he, uh, he had a uh, cancer. He said, Hey, if Clay wants to show a pig, he can show a pig. And so my mom's like, well, how can I say no to uncle skinny as we called him? <laughs> and uh, the funny part of that story is he lived for seven years after that. They gave him six months to live and he got to live. Oh man. After That's that. awesome. So wow. got to watch me grow up showing. And so, I showed at the first county fair. Uh, actually, the we had a tornado go through our county fairgrounds and take down the hog barn, and so we had to show in our uh, over hundred and some year old goat barn with uh, the ceiling falling in and knocking your head going through. And my parents were convinced that I was not going to love the pig thing. And even after that experience of getting last place, last place with my three hundred and twenty five pound hamster guilt man job of the hut, I still loved it. So. <laughs> Uh, there's a reason she was called Jabba the Hutt too. If you're a Star Wars fan, she was morbidly obese, but, uh, <laughs> like many grew up showing and, and began participating in NJSA. I wouldn't say that I was ever, uh, you know, on the spotlight or a large participant in NJSA growing up in that part of Illinois, the County fair circuit was really big and particularly that time of year. And, so I would go to Expo in Louisville, and that was pretty much my NJSA experience. Um, but county and state fair were really important to me, and I made a lot of friends through that experience that obviously still uh, ring true today. But uh, after I got out of high school, I actually took a year off to serve as a state FFA officer uh, in Illinois. And uh, after that, went to Lakeland College for two years. and. Um, had the opportunity to be on a pretty successful judging team there. And one of my favorite experiences was we uh, actually won the Barrow show that year. So that was really exciting and, and important to us. And uh, despite having a terrible pilgrimage trip, I somehow managed to win reasons at that contest too. <laughs> so it was, uh, that's probably a story we can get into in a little bit. But that's probably one of the worst or most constructive feedbacks I've ever gotten in my life uh, on that trip, like so many people listening probably can relate to. I was going to say that the pilgrimage will make or break a young person, uh, depending on how that, that trip takes place, both positively and negatively. That's no doubt. No yeah, doubt. I, wish, uh, I wish every judging kid had a chance to go on the pilgrimage. We were, we were at Schmanky's and as you guys know, there's usually like 250 to 300 people there. Oh yeah. And, uh, I, I was on John Aldhouse's last team and, and, you know, 
John is somebody I respect a great deal, but John obviously has kind of this persona and this personality that people, uh, people remember and know. And, uh, I, I busted these market hogs and he pulled me out in front of the whole group and just was tearing into me. And I'm not going to use all the explicitives that were said, but it was uh, pretty direct. And after I thought it was finally over, he walked out and talked to, uh, I remember he mentioned uh, Grant Grebner, Dan Scheich, and, and Dan Hogue, and he was talking to them, and he came back, and he pulled me back out, and he goes, uh, you know what I am? I'm not going to do my impression. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, he uh, he goes, you know what I asked those guys? I asked Clay, I asked if Clay's willing would ever show Pig that terrible that you started with, and they said no, so I'm not quite sure why you started with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, when, uh, when we had Schminky on here, man, he remembers all of those trips uh, or when those visits, man, uh, I've same experience. That pilgrimage is a do or die situation there. And like you said, you could bust every class on your way to, to Austin and then do well. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Yeah, I, I was not in a very good headspace going into Austin, but it all ended up working out. But uh had the opportunity after Lakeland, I, I transferred to Oklahoma State, and that wasn't originally part of the plan. Uh, always kind of had an intent to go to University of Illinois and uh, go through the Ag Ed program there and kind of follow the FFA path, but uh, had the opportunity uh, to run for National FFA office and was a finalist, but was not selected, and that was a really good experience for me at that age to uh, to go through something and practice hard and, and, and ultimately come up short. I, I learned a lot through that experience. And my perspective on that was, well, I could stay in Illinois and, and have my network that I feel comfortable with, or I could try going somewhere else and do something a little different. So I was between Texas A&M and Oklahoma State. And I really didn't want to go to OSU because my brother went there and I would have been the 12th member of my family, I believe, to attend there uh, from Illinois. And I didn't, you know, I've always kind of been a black sheep and done things a little differently. And uh, I went to campus and you know how when you go someplace, you know, it's the right fit. And I had that feeling. And uh, obviously, uh, as things turned out, that was a great opportunity and it was the right fit for me. But, um, you know, went went to school there, got a double major in animal science and ag education, was on the judging team. And I think we'll probably talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, was really blessed to be on a successful team there at Oklahoma State. And then after I graduated, uh, went to Texas A&M immediately after that and got my master's and my missus. As I like to tell people, I met my wife while I was in grad school <laughs> at A&M. And probably one of the most uh, biggest accomplishments of my life was convincing a native Texan from Washington County, Texas, to move back to the Midwest. So I kind of attribute that to more success than about anything I've done. Yeah, how was that, that sales? That's an pitch? impressive feat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Washington County is literally where they signed the Texas Declaration of Independence. So uh, that's Brenham where they used to have the old pig sift. Yeah. So that's her hometown. So uh, I'm either really convincing or she's uh, she's very open minded. I haven't decided which one, maybe a little of both. But yeah. Um, Moved back to Illinois, uh, had the opportunity to go work at Farm Credit in Illinois as Director of Marketplace uh, Development and Education, which was kind of a unique and new role. And, uh, you know, I had that opportunity to work there for two years, and I'll probably get a little more into that as we get on uh, through some of these topics. But uh, then uh, I guess it was over three years ago now, I saw the opportunity to go work at NSR and 
applied and through some situations and changes have have uh, now stepped into my current role as CEO. So it's been a been an interesting but fun path. No doubt about it. Uh, that's one of the things and we talk about this all the time is the stories uh, of how how people get to where they are now is something that I think a lot of us in the industry before really expanding our networks didn't realize that most people are pretty normal uh, and, and everybody has a unique situation that they go through. And so, um, you know, you, you definitely grew up in the livestock hub of the Midwest uh, that, that tri-county area um, of kind of where you were is, is insane. And for a few years I had a chance to live there myself uh, beyond Blackhawk, which was cool. And, um, you know, one of the, your, your story about, um, you know, your, your, your grandfather and, and hauling hogs up to the, the Chicago international reminds me of, uh, a legend in that part of the world that, uh, we absolutely have to get on this show. I've been talking about it. I just got to find the right time, but Dave Cox, uh, has told me multiple stories about, uh, uh, things like that. I, I've sat in his kitchen several times and, and he mentioned, outdoor farrowing concepts and, and trucking hogs to the Chicago international. And, um, and that's very, very cool stories that I wish more people could hear of. So hopefully we'll get Dave on here someday, but quick break in the action with clay, but we'd like to talk to you about a little bit of a facelift, the new team member, new team, Tarbell marketing and design, Jace Tarbell. Um, he is not a female. If you talk to Brad hook, he may think different, but Jace, is the man when it comes to your graphic and design needs. Now hailing from Missouri. Recent change. The show me state. Tarbell Marketing and Design, folks, is the real deal. If you look at some of the big-time brands that are happening in our industry, Jace probably has something to do with them. He is now offering 15% off to all new clients. If you have not done anything with Tarbell Marketing and Design before, you better now. You just got 15% off. Contact Tarbell Marketing Design on any social media platforms. Give them a follow. Give them a like. Tarbell Marketing Design. Let's talk about that that uh, run at Oklahoma State. And uh, before we jumped on air here, you did kind of say that uh, maybe, maybe we can get Walton to do it since they're in the broadcast business uh, when it comes to watching things live. Maybe they can, maybe we can get Greg to come up with a 30 for 30 version um, of, of like you said, the team, the team that uh, nobody saw coming or the team that shouldn't have been or whatever. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you had quite the team. So tell us a little bit about uh, your guys's story as a team, who was on that team um, and maybe some fun things that you guys did along the way. Yeah. So I was on the 2012 team at Oklahoma state. And I, I tell this joke a little bit, I I'm a little bit worried that every place I go, it seems like the, the coaches then leave the next year. So I was on old houses last team. And then I was on uh, Mark Johnson's second to last team. So uh, Dr. Bloomberg and then Clint Mefford would have been our assistant coaches, but uh, we had a really good team and I'm going to forget some folks, but uh, you know, I, Corey, I know you're a sheep enthusiast, but uh, Jake Warnchez would have been on our team. Uh, Ryan McCoon was on our team. Uh, Morgan Meisenheimer, who's obviously a very talented uh, photographer and, and uh, livestock marketer. 
uh, Katie Dusen Schmidt, who lives back in California now, uh, very talented. Uh, Mark Sims, whose uh, dad is the the legendary auctioneer Eddie Sims, uh, Chris Hofschulte, uh, and several other great folks that were on our team uh, that were always just kind of in the hunt. Chris Hall, who's a really uh, good pig man from Oklahoma. Um, but you know, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, we had a lot of really good talent and it just, you know, as a lot of people who go through judging programs, it never all seemed to fire at the right time. Uh, we went to Denver and uh, we actually, I think we still hold the record uh, for the highest scoring team in the car load, but we lose to A&M by a point. Uh, we went to San Antonio, we lose to A&M by two points, I think. And then we went to uh, Houston and we lose to A&M by three and then we went to National Barrow Show, and we lost by one to Western. So there's always these four or five points throughout the spring and early fall that you wish you could get back. But one of the things that, uh, you know, I, are you guys Office fans? Oh, I love The Office. Yeah, so big I'm time. a big Office fan, and, and I, I, I liken our judging team to a Michael Scott quote. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> and uh when we uh so we were lucky enough we kind of started hitting our hitting our groove there first part of october we won tulsa uh we won the american royal and then we were trying to be uh the team that we were going to be the 12th team in the 112 year history to win the american royal in louisville back to back in 2012 mm. that was the goal so the 12s kind of all lined up and i thought that was a bit ironic and we actually judged on November 12th. Oh, wow. Jeez. And, uh, you know, our coach, uh, Mark Johnson, he, he, uh, he, uh, definitely has some rituals and some, some, uh, habits and doesn't believe that things happen for chance. And he'd always, uh, have the last year, the last time he had a national champion team, he would have their score sheet that he would draft out and put down. And he'd use that to draft his, Louisville score sheet with the people that were competing and he tells the story that that night in the hotel room he was copying things over and, and having that there and he looked at the contestant numbers and he basically was like oh I must have accidentally copied over the contestant numbers from the 2010 team he went back and looked we had the exact same contestant numbers from the 2010 team at Oklahoma State that had won Louisville and American Royal back to back well that's wild so there's just some really weird, odd things with that. Um, and that contest was, was interesting. And I always tell people, I think we probably won the North American in the most unconventional fashion possible. We won sheep, we won hogs, we weren't in the top five in cattle and we won reasons and we ended up winning by nine points. So, huh. uh, and all of us just managed to, to do something foolish. Uh, mine was the very first class of the day, as, and I think you all have referenced this before. You always have that class that sticks out in your mind. Uh, Sim Solution Bulls, very first class of the day. Um, had data on it. Should have been pretty straightforward. Of course, it was a talking class. And uh, after, that, after that class, I think I only dropped, if I remember right, eight or nine points in the whole contest but I dropped 23 in that one. And uh, <laughs> I think it was just the first class nerves and I'll never forget. I, I was one of the first people to walk out uh, there and, and 
meet Dr. Johnson and I'll, uh, I'll again leave out some of the adjectives, but essentially when I gave him my placing, he said, congratulations, you've lost Louisville. So, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, you know, there were several of us in that boat. Each one of us kind of managed to to mess up a class, but uh, going through that experience together as a collective group is something you never forget. And I think that uh, again, whether your team was uh, a national champion or not, or or if it was just a a good team effort, uh, you always enjoy the stories from the judging vans and the experiences you get to have. And, uh, you know, I always look back as judging as one of the most influential activities I've done in my lifetime. And I certainly know it's had a huge impact on you two as well. Oh, no doubt. And, you know, I I met Corey out on on a judging team at Blackhawk. And if it weren't for that kind of teams and relationships I gained there, who knows what I'd be doing. I'd still probably think I'm an NFL star or something being five, eight, but, um, and then you think about where everybody's at now and who's doing what. And you mentioned some of your teammates there and everybody's doing great things. And I truly believe, you know, there's employers out there that, that look back on your, judging career history, not of numbers of wins, but it's the work ethic you gain, the networking you uh, achieve from all those people. So I guess it kind of parlays into one of the topics we wanted to get into. And all those relationships allowed you to start with the NSR and then eventually uh, become the CEO. And, you know, you're relatively a young CEO in relation to other businesses and organizations. So kind of walk us through how that process went and uh, how your professional career kind of guided you to eventually become the CEO and, and were there any naysayers along the way? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question as we were kind of looking through the topics. Uh, you know, first, I, I always like to share that, you know, I never really uh, had this lifetime goal to go out and be the CEO of the NSR. Um, it's one of those things that, as you guys mentioned, uh, life takes you in places and has certainly different uh, turns and, and objectives. And, um, you know, I, I always kind of had on my radar, uh, you know, Brian Arnold was the VP at the time. Uh, and his I his title, I can't remember what they called it, but it was I think it was member member engagement and, and youth activities or something like that. But he was basically the VP over the shows, NJSA magazine and field staff. And that was a position I had always kind of uh, identified as something I'd had interest in. But one thing I think is important for everybody, whether you're a young person or, or an, ad, an adult going into your career, I actually applied to work at the NSR three times before I was hired. Hmm. And uh, you know, Maybe that was because they didn't think I was a good employee or, but I really think that it was more of, you always have to um, be the right fit at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I tell that to a lot of people that we interview and, and even in our internships and full-time positions that it's not just because you're not selected at that time doesn't mean you're not a great person or a great fit. Uh, it just may not be the right time. And I look back on, uh, you know, I applied for a field staff position. I applied for a, a director of development position before I ultimately then was was hired as as a VP. But, um, you know, I think back and if I'd been in those positions before, a lot of other things wouldn't have happened. So if I'd been hired for the field staff role, I never would have gone to A&M, uh, had the experiences I had there and gotten to meet and develop the relationships that I have with a lot of great people in Texas and ultimately not meet my wife, which she'd be pretty upset if I didn't mention that part of (laughs) the importance of grad school. Um, 
so I think that's an important perspective is just because you apply or, or you try to achieve a goal and it doesn't happen. I don't think it's, you should give up on it because it just may not be the right time. Um, so I applied for that role and was very fortunate to be selected. And then as a lot of people have indicated, you know, it's been, uh, it's been an interesting, uh, tenure I've had at the NSR with some of the issues we've faced and, uh, some of the things we've gone through and, um, you know, we had an op uh, opportunity for a potential transition and, and I wasn't sure if I was ready to step into the CEO role, but it's one of those things, again, when an opportunity presents itself, uh, sometimes you've got to take a risk. And I looked at kind of where I was at and, and you mentioned the age thing specifically. I, I try not to address that and make that an issue, but um, I've always been a believer that age isn't an indicator of performance. Um, you know, age is just a number and your ability to be successful and, and move forward is based on who you are as a person. But also with that, you have to realize you don't know everything. Right. And so, you know, I still get a little nervous when I talk to, and I don't think this person would bother, you know, bother me bringing this up because he was one of your first podcast people. But, you know, the fact that Jim McCoy and I talk on the phone in text is to me, uh, I still get a little nervous because it's Jim McCoy mm. and, you know, it's somebody who spent their whole life in this, this business and this industry. Um, and, you know, I'm still relatively young. So I think it's important to have that perspective, but also to know that as a young person, I, I, I don't know everything and I'm willing to admit that. And uh, the, the other piece of it I think is important is that I, I try not to, to make the age piece, uh, you know, an indicator of what I do and how I make decisions. I try to do what's best on behalf of our membership. I do what's on the best interest of our NSR and the future of the industry. And, you know, I think because of my age, I do bring a unique perspective, but uh, on a lighter humid, humored side, I think most people who know me will say I'm an 80 year old trapped inside a 20 something's body. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I, just for an example, I didn't start using online bill pay till 2020. I for basically <laughs> until earlier this year, sat down every Sunday morning and wrote checks to pay my bills. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of other examples of that, but well, I'm, one example I've got not sorry to cut you off there, but thankfully you're agile as a 20 something or whatever, because falling off of a stage at expo last year as an 80 year old might have been a little bit more <laughs> detrimental <laughs> that was the highlight of my summer is watching watching that chair leg slip through the crack and multiple people rushing to your side as if you were an 80 year old man so can we can we can we address the uh chair malfunction that happened at the 2019 expo and just set the record straight on the podcast let's let's, I, I do, let's do that i do i do have very strong feelings about this subject because <laughs> Uh, there were some very specific things that took place that people don't realize after the video went viral and those type of things. So I just, if I could take the opportunity, I'd like to explain things from my perspective. Let's do it. So as you know, it had been raining there in Des Moines and, and we had just got done with uh, the check-in line. And I actually uh, thought it'd be a good idea to change into tennis shoes. So I would have the endurance to go through the rest of the week. So I actually went for the, uh, the uh, Sunglow Town Hall and changed into my tennis shoes, uh, got up on the stage, and I was sitting very comfortably placed. I had all these things in my mind that we were going to talk about, 
If you remember, we were delayed because uh, Big Cat was just a few minutes late. Yes. And uh, Kevin Thomas showed up and he, he, he told me this and I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, sharing this information openly here. He told me he, uh, you know, he thought his intention was he was just going to slip there on the end, easy into there on the side of the stage. So no one would notice that he was late because everybody was focused kind of on the center part of the stage. So he kind of eased up to the side, you know, Hogue's on one side of me and, and uh, you know, I slide over and the chair falls in the crack of the stage. There was no me pushing the chair back. There was none of those things. And I fall backwards. And then, uh, you know, the best part of all that was Hogue's look of just pure, like, I don't know what this guy's doing. He looks like an idiot. So he just needs to get up. It essentially uh, was a table. It looked like a table with what you guys were sitting on top of. And there was a gap right in that seam. And I remember exactly what you're talking about. Well, and so the, the ironic part of it was the, the Saturday before uh, Nathan Day came up to me and is like, hey, this 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 stage we have is absolute trash. We need to get a new stage. And I'm like, you're absolutely right. I'd hate to fall off during the, the town hall on Monday. <laughs> so I called the Iowa State Fairgrounds maintenance crew and they brought a new stage. And that's the stage I still managed to fall off of. Oh, so, wow. Uh, you know, thankfully the rain did come and and we decided that getting on the stage after watching you, um, test it for us all, we decided that we better interview Dan on the ground where it's safe. Yeah, we sure did. (laughs) But we appreciate you setting the record straight. The, the mental image of, of, well, really thanks to, to, to Greg, uh, with the video that he made, that was, that was the highlight, I think of the expo that year. (laughs) Uh, but yes, thankfully, uh, you're much more agile than an 80 year old, uh, keeping that mentality. Although now you're, you're up to date on bill pay now. That's right. That's right. And, 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 uh, for those, for those that got sidetracked from our comedic relief here, uh, Clay is absolutely right. I've been told no more times than I care, uh, to admit, but the, the right things happen at the right time for the right reasons. And um, it's, it's a neat story how, how a person, um, you know, can, can take that risk. Um, and, and I don't, I don't wouldn't necessarily maybe call it a risk more. So just a, a leap of faith, I guess, and, and a trust in your own ability um, and kind of have some self-awareness of where you are as a individual to be able to step into a role and lead, lead an organization such as the NSR. Well, uh, not only NJSA. that, but in a time of so much challenge. I mean, yes. there's been a lot of challenges in years past, but it comes once every 10 years, maybe once every five years at the very soonest. And then we went from, we went from Hampshire purity to Paling to, are we even going to be able to show pigs in 2020 in a matter of, less than 12 months yes and don't forget asf too and yeah. and let's not forget asf which yeah seemed to come in. among every other every other thing you got to do to manage an organization so yeah which we'll get into some of those topics after a bit but um but no i uh i fully understand that uh just keep on keeping on and if it takes three times i think you're in the right position but i guess Corey, speaking of uh some of the complications we've had recently um Clay, if you wouldn't mind, just update us on uh, some of the recent changes that have come 
uh, with the exposition and some new events happening here due to some of the coronavirus pandemic. And and to spare your uh, repeating yourself, folks, if you really truly want information on what's going on with the NSR and these shows and how things are going, please go to their Facebook page and watch the Facebook lives. They're very informative. They spell everything out for you, which we'll also get into <laughs> maybe some questions of, uh, yeah, I just don't want you to have to repeat yourself a million times. So maybe uh, let's talk about the exciting things possibly that are going on. There you go. Uh, and, and in some new paths to take now that we have some different things in place. Well, we were joking before we hopped on here that I said it's been a really quiet week. Not much had happened. Pretty relaxing. Uh, and and then my wife also told me she said uh, she said you don't need to be a Facebook Live PC Clay when you're on the podcast. Just be pretty genuine and and open and out there. And I said, well, I'll I'll probably be somewhere in between because we don't probably need to go full on uh, <laughs> wide wide open given the circumstances, but. Uh, no, uh, it, it has been an interesting week, and it's certainly an interesting time for our industry. And, and you know, one of the things, just to kind of leap back to our one question, is I've always been really passionate about communication and open and transparent uh, delivery of that. And, um, you know, I appreciate that you all recognize we try to do that with our communication channels, with our uh, social media platform. Our social media and communications department at NSR is absolutely incredible. Um, but, but we try to get information out in a timely manner and, and, and share that. And I feel like we've demonstrated that over the last year and a half. And so it gets a little frustrating for me at times when people are like, well, we know, you know, the information and, uh, you're just not telling us because it, that's just not the case. We, we share information when we have it. And it also takes time. Uh, we had for, so just to give everybody perspective, we've, uh, we've essentially canceled the exposition and we're having one joint large event in July, uh, the 5th through the 11th in Des Moines, which was when CPS originally had uh, their national junior show and summer type conference scheduled. So um, exposition was supposed to be in Indianapolis uh, due to COVID-19 and some scheduling issues. But, you know, essentially, we're just trying to have a pig show this summer. And, you know, when people ask, well, why are you doing this and why are you doing this? If I could communicate one thing, our goal right now is to provide an opportunity for breeders and our youth exhibitors an opportunity to show it a live event in the safest way possible. And that's our priority. And, uh, you know, so that's kind of what we're looking at. People have been asking, well, what are the farrowing date requirements going to be? What are the weight limits going to be? And, and, you know, from my perspective, we're going to be as inclusive as possible. We're going to, you know, in my opinion, we need to make sure that uh, we don't have a weight requirement. We just have the way back. I think we leave our uh, farrowing dates as open as they are uh, for Expo just because people have hogs on feed. And I also think that uh, we need to have discussions around our, our typical one-to-one -one ratio. I think it's important we're as inclusive and uh, allowing as many young people to come and participate at this event as possible. And so, um, you know, the reason we don't have those decisions out is I think it's important to share a little bit of perspective of what goes on in making these changes. Um, the expo before we had to make these adjustments had over 5,000 junior hogs entered alone with 1,600 exhibitors. Wow. Jeez. So 
this isn't a, a local show that we can just make a decision on and then announce the next day. Plus, we have to coordinate with the facility and our other breed associations. And if you think about how our breed associations are structured for a communication string, uh, that's essentially almost 10 different boards that have to be informed, plus staff plus the junior advisory boards for those organizations. And so there's a lot of backside communication that needs to occur before a public announcement can go. So to give you perspective on the 2019 Expo, which we all remember World Pork Expo got canceled because of ASF, um, essentially we were able to get that event in the status that it was and pulled off successfully in less than a week from the time that they had canceled the event. And so, again, when we have to make these decisions, it's not like we can just make a decision and, and boom, pull the trigger and, and say, this is what's going to happen. It takes some time. It takes some coordination. And then obviously, from our perspective, uh, we want to have very clear and direct communication. And uh, it takes time to draft those statements. And the, the staff at NSR will probably laugh at this statement, but I'm very tedious when I go through and look at those statements and making sure the words are exactly the way they need to say and they need to be interpreted the way they are. And, and generally I have four or five different drafts that go to the communications department and others that then ultimately become our final statement. So um, that piece takes time. But if there's one thing from an expo perspective that people need to know is we're just planning on having one big pig show in July going to keep it inclusive. Uh, and our goal is to not only keep it safe just from a COVID-19 standpoint, but we also want to make sure this is a unified approach uh, that allows as many people in a safe manner to operate and have a positive experience at a live event this summer. And that's hey, the goal. Hey, we haven't, uh, you guys haven't announced a, an official name or anything, but one big pig show actually sounds pretty good to me. I, I would be okay with that if that was a name. Look good on a hat. The show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So one of the things with these, uh, this new show is the fact that everybody's under one roof. Um, CPS, ABA, NSR, um, all that. And so, you know, at a, at a time like this, um, I know I've talked with several of my close friends that um, wouldn't it make sense for all those, all those organizations to kind of come together and, and, and merge and, and be as one. What's, what's your thoughts on, on that? And, Maybe share some of your perspective. Yeah, that's a really good question, Corey. And, and I think, you know, we've obviously, and for folks that aren't as familiar with the structure of the purebred swine industry, we essentially have three major purebred breed associations with uh, the National Swine Registry, Certified Pedigreed Swine, and American Berkshire Association. Of course, we also have Tamworth and, and some other associations that we work with and collaborate on. But um and we, we collaborate on a lot of events, but we're still three separate entities. And the discussion has been going on for years about what is the opportunity or when will these ultimately come together? And I think that the reality is, uh, as we talk about the future and what does the industry look like in the future, um, collaboration and, and uh, consolidation or merger may be too strong of a word for some people, but definitely collaboration and, and working together and being united is going to be critical. And, and I think about it from this perspective. Uh, 
we have to adapt to the breeder base and the membership base that our organizations represent. And there are very few uh, breeders and members that simply work with one association. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're generally collective. Um, a lot of people have multiple breeds, uh, probably a lower quantity of sows. Uh, and that's what our membership numbers would tell us, but more variety in terms of the breeds. And there's multiple reasons for that. Um, but I truly believe, and, and, you know, I don't know what the timeline is. Uh, I, I will just say personally, uh, we've had discussions and I think discussions need to be had more so now than ever of collaborating on pedigree systems, unifying, you know, potential junior programs, unifying, uh, you know, how we go about events and not making exhibitors and families choose. And that's one of the reasons we're doing this joint event in July. Uh, CPS and Team Purebred have a summer type scheduled. We had a summer type scheduled. We don't want families to have to choose between those in two weeks when we're already in tight financial times. But I, I genuinely feel like the future sustainability of our business is going to be built around collaboration and around unity from a purebred standpoint. And as I talked earlier, it's challenging to communicate things when you have to go through multiple channels and uh, having everything under one umbrella or one roof or one organization makes some of these difficult topics a little bit easier to navigate. For example, you know, we go back to the ractopamine statement it'd be really nice to say this is the purebred swine industry sector's perspective on ractopamine. This is the purebred swine industry sector's perspective on hosting live events versus I'm not saying that we aren't always unified, but uh, it is challenging when you have basically three different administrations, three different levels of of board and governance operating through the same issues. And Mm -hmm. um, we think about what triggered the initial consolidation and it was consolidation and change in the industry uh, that formed the original breed associations. And so I think we could look at where we're at and say, and and this has been my kind of point as we've talked about this very high level strategically is we can start having those discussions now and be proactive and put together a plan to make collaboration work in a way that's effective and, and smooth for everyone, or we can just wait and uh, be reactive and have to consolidate or merge because it's absolutely necessary for the survival of our associations and our businesses. And I do not think that's the path we need to go down. Uh, I think it's very important that we, we collaborate. And I, and I will say uh, those discussions are being had. Um, you know, is there a timeline? No. And obviously, uh, some of those things come up from a standpoint of, well, uh, when can we meet face to face to have these discussions? Cause right. these are certainly discussions you don't want to have over zoom or right. uh, Snapchat or whatever your platform would be. But, um, I do feel like that, that piece is going to be critical moving forward. And I think that, you know, and, and again, I'll, I'll just share my personal perspective on it. I don't only, I don't only think it's important. I think it's necessary. And I think it's going to be necessary for the long-term sustainability of our business. And I think it's really important. And this is probably going to open a few eyes when I say this, but we all have to lay down breed pride. We all have to lay down past perspectives 
and we have to lay down our our potential negative feelings and thoughts about what may or may not have happened in the past with our groups and look at this is the situation this is where we need to be moving forward and this is what the best outlook is for our industry and for our membership mm-hmm. and anytime you go through these discussions i mean growing up in illinois when I was in high school, consolidation of schools was just rampant. And, and, you know, it was one of those things that most people fundamentally agreed that we need to consolidate to be sustainable long-term, but what hung them up was, well, what's, what's the, what's the uh, mascot going to be, or what are we going to call it or where this is the school? Right. Yes. And I kind of liken it to a very similar situation of where we're at. And, and I've posed this to some breeders as, you know, I don't know where the office would be. I don't know what we'd call the organization. I don't know what everyone's percent buy-in may be, but if we get caught up in some of those things and not start having the high level discussions of what the why behind it and the value of it, then it's going to get to a point where we're all going to need to, and it's not going to be a streamlined, proactive and as smooth for the membership. And so, you know, again, I, this is something I'm very personally passionate about. And it's something that I think that as we look at it, and I, I've challenged a lot of people in our industry and even people on our boards, uh, we need to look at this as the, for the collective good and lay down some of our, our pride, our ego, our politics, our past perspectives to look at this is what is needed given our situation and where we see this industry going. I think that's going to be critical moving forward. No there's so there's so many uh, truths to to all that. I I and the reason I wanted to bring it up is because I I do sincerely believe exactly what you said that it is it is almost imperative that um, you know to the membership to the purebred swine industry to the junior shows. Um, I think I think most would agree that. Without these junior shows and, ex- and and expositions on what whatever level, uh, county fair, local shows, all the way up to to the biggest national stage you can think of, um, if, if we do not get purebred swine in the hands of youth exhibitors to exhibit on a national or or local scale, um, these organizations won't function like they're supposed to, and. Um, I, I think it's it's truly important that people uh, listen into exactly what you said, and and I hope some uh, some minds are are thinking along that same path. And I know for sure, uh, personally, of of several that uh, completely agree with that. And um, my uh, it gets me fired up and a little excited and hopeful um, that those things can happen. Well, this show in well, July may be the the tip of the iceberg or a little light shined on the subject, you know, people don't have to choose. I I like what you said there, Clay, about no, no, you no longer have to choose which summer spectacular to go to or, you know, which summer show you need to go to. Absolutely. And I want to comment quick on what Corey said too is, and obviously the, the, the show piece of what we do is driving our bus and, and we can't ignore that fact, but there are also a lot of missed opportunities for us to engage in adding value to purebreds from a production and commercial perspective mm. because we aren't streamlining processes. We aren't as efficient. We aren't having shared goals and strategic plans. 
that we can realign and refocus on. For example, uh, you may have seen we've been working on promoting and developing our certified Duroc meat program. That has yeah. upward big time for, for not only small current breeders, but as we look at the collective pork industry. And that's something that, you know, Berkshires have already demonstrated that model and have a successful brand. I look at it as if we're all under one potential group or one potential organization, you can have a shows and sales division that focuses on that. You can have a commercial uh, international focus on that part of what we do in terms of all the litters and, and work we do in, in China and across the world. And then you can have this third tier, which is the retail consumer promotion, which is anything from someone selling a, a, a registered Duroc product at a, at a market, a farmer's market, to an actual supply chain in which a high-end restaurant in Chicago is getting yep. a certified pork product. And yep. So- I, I was just going to say, I, I've been to several restaurants where Duroc, you know, uh, ordering a Duroc pork loin is, uh, you know, it just adds value. And, and that is in itself is huge. Yeah. And, and a I point think, that I forgot to bring up, honestly. And I think that, uh, you know, people have asked kind of, well, what's up with this certified Duroc deal? We've had the trademark for years. We just haven't really capitalized on the opportunity. And there's a couple different reasons, but when people ask kind of what's your goal and outlook, I, I want it to be the CAB of the pork industry. And I think that if we can have a, a, pork product that, and part of our, our requirement is obviously that they're verified to be Duroc. Um, and we have that ability with the registry and we can do it either via traditional membership or with our DNA breed profile testing, which, uh, people, you know, obviously had a lot of opinions about pretty early on, but, uh, we have those opportunities and, and to develop those programs, but it all goes back to what you talked about earlier, Corey, we've got to streamline and be more efficient. We can't focus on being better and being more progressive if we're caught up all doing the same thing and duplicating the process. Yep. And again, it's, it's not an easy, you know, overnight decision, but boy, we've got to start having the discussions. And I agree with you, Trevor, uh, you know, this event in July, hoping we can have it and we're, we're optimistic we can, it may be the, it may be the catalyst to make all this come together. Yep. For sure. Hey, you're going to have to listen to me talk uh, solo for a moment because we have to mention that LegacyLivestockImaging.com has some incredible artwork of images that you can purchase because Heidi Anderson and her team at Legacy Livestock Imaging are the absolute best in the business when it comes to capturing moments. Not only do they do ring shots, and backdrop pictures and sale pictures, but they also do senior pictures, weddings, you name it, they picture it. Heidi even tells us in her episode about her time photographing ballerinas. Can you believe it? Anyway, that just goes to show you how talented Heidi Anderson and Legacy Livestock Imaging are. Anyway, visit LegacyLivestockImaging.com today. So there's other pieces that are going on, obviously, with the the cancellation of the exposition as we know it. Um, let's talk about the draft. And um, you guys kind of released uh, a cool graphic and things like that out there 
uh, an opportunity for um, some breeding stock to be sold. Let's talk about it. When is it? Uh, what all is going to be involved there and, and what, uh, what kind of went into the process of putting it all together? Yeah. So one of the things that I've been really passionate about since I started at NSR is I think we've, we've missed an opportunity to go into the, the online sale platform to help breeders merchandise purebred and crossbred genetics. And, uh, We've kind of had some concept concepts and, and conceptualization around these, but obviously with COVID-19, that has reprioritized and, and made us refocus our marketing strategies from an association perspective. And so uh, the draft is a virtual sire sale um, that we have put together essentially to replace uh, the exposition breeding hog sale that would have happened the second week of June. Um, it's, it's basically open to anyone. You don't have to have entered for the exposition to participate. And right now it's just featuring boars. And here's why, uh, we can always do a guilt sale. Um, but our goal and our hope is that all these folks bring those guilts to the live event in July. And, uh, we want to make sure that we're conveying that we're uh, optimistic and positive that event's going to, uh, happen. And so that's why at this time, we're not planning on offering guilts in, in the draft. And that's, that's the primary reason why. And obviously, from a boar standpoint, uh, getting those hogs ready for an event, the environment is very different. Um, guilts, typically, you know, you can hold a little better. And, and essentially, we're looking at two and a half weeks uh, from the time they'd be merchandised. But when we look at the boar side of things, um, this really answers a lot of the the debates and discussions that have been going on around marketing boars for quite some time. Uh, obviously, we don't have to worry about co-mingling them on a single site. Don't have to worry about them uh, getting injured or ill at a, at a mixed facility. Um, and also, it gives everybody the equitable opportunity to uh, enter their hogs. So, we're doing it through Walton webcasting. Um, we're not actually doing a show. So what we're going to do is have people submit videos of their boar prospects. Um, I think that's through the 29th of May. And then on June 8th, we're actually going to release a preview of all those boars. So we're going to sit down as staff and bring in a group of breeders, probably a three breeder panel, and basically just do a preview of those animals. We're not going to actually go through and do a show format. We'll just talk about them, uh, talk about the information. And then there'll be about a five day stretch in between there where then on Friday, February or February <laughs> tells you where my mind's at. Uh, <laughs> wish we were still in February. Uh, um, on Friday, uh, June 12th, we will uh, then do the, the sale. And so our intention right now, and obviously this could change because as, as everything with COVID-19 in our current world, we're very fluid and we're very agile. Um, so our intention is to do a, a online bidding platform mixed with a virtual live sale. So give people the opportunity to bid online and then at a set time on Friday, uh, have an auctioneer actually sell those boars live. Um, so that's kind of how we're adapting. And, and I think that this is a concept we've talked about um, because of our given situation and our ability to need to be progressive and provide breeders an opportunity to sell those uh, elite boars. Uh, this is a really good opportunity to move forward with that. And I think in a pretty unique format, 
And also we're trying to be as, again, as inclusive as possible. So uh, no entry fee. Um, with that, we want to make sure that we're doing our part as the association to help our breeders uh, market their boars and, and get those in the right hands. Because I think the reality of things right now is, um, you know, this is a really good opportunity, uh, despite everything going on, to focus on your herd at home, focus on what you need to do and add strengths and, and add uh, quality and, and tweak on those things that you need to in your own program. I think this is as good of an opportunity to do that. And here's an opportunity to do it in a platform uh, brought to you by NSR and something that's a little different and unique. So are, the, are these all sires that were geared for the exposition, like that age, or can it be, is it a wider gap now, or have you guys decided? It's a, it's certainly the, the, the base is obviously those folks that would have expo age hogs, but we're not limiting it. Okay. If you've got a, a boar that you want to, to market, we're going to take the opportunity to help you do it. So um, I, I've basically said this is as open and inclusive as a sale opportunity as we've provided. And that's our goal. And our goal is to help our breeders get their, their elite sires marketed. Now, I guess the other question that would stem off that for those that are interested in, in, and have more prospects that could potentially go into this show, um, is this limited to NSR breeds and crossbreds or are we full scope, um, with, with all breeds here? CPS, I believe is doing an online uh, sale option as well. And so, um, we're, we're basically operating under, um, once they release that information, we'll probably have kind of a coordinated effort uh, to provide our breeders a marketing opportunity. So we're going to sit a little bit tight on that until they come out with some of their decisions. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so there you go, folks. Um, that's something that, uh, like you said, Clay, people have been cussing and discussing for years and, and how all, uh, how these these really elite boar prospects are going to be marketed. Um, what a better opportunity than, than now um, to, to do that. So very cool. Um, I'm sure the, the name of said sale was debated quite a while. Uh, as I know when most names are uh, when you, when you come up with these events. So cool stuff, really like it. And uh, my, my intent is to stand in front of the fireplace at the NSR in my, in my look, you know, in my fleece, like Roger Goodell and we'll have the music and everything. And I'm just kidding. We're not going to, are we, are we going to, I was going to say, can we, uh, can we filter in some, some booze from the crowd? Oh, oh, booze is in like angry, not like, not uh, like alcohol. alcohol no. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I mean, whatever, but I was <laughs> mostly, mostly along the lines that Roger Goodell had. I thought that was pretty comical. Yeah, when they announce they announce me, they can all boo and say, "Get off the stage!" And then I can fall, and then, <laughs> and then we'll play the clip. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's good. It all stuff. comes full circle. It all comes full circle. Absolutely. Well, I do think that's a that's a neat opportunity for folks, and it, we're just adapting here. This is not the new normal. Uh, we just gotta play the cards that are dealt to us in this very weird time. Um, so, looking forward to the draft and also the big pig show out in Des Moines get back in the uh, Iowa State Fairgrounds. So stay tuned on the uh, NSR Facebook page, NJSA sites. They they really do an awesome job of keeping you updated and get an email of a newsletter weekly. So I'm always in the know. Uh, make sure you guys are also doing that too. So, Corey, 
our new segment, uh, I think, is going to be a good one this time. Um, we're going to try to make these as good as possible. But with recent changes, and we've kind of all led this up to this segment, called The Breakdown. Brought to you by Brad Halford in Kokomo, Indiana. Don't break down. Go get you a new car, new truck, new vehicle from Brad Howe Ford with award-winning customer service there in Kokomo, Indiana. So, we're going to break they, down. They just got a facelift, by the way, too, I saw. Oh, really? Yeah. Spooching anyway, the place up a little bit. I digress. We're going to break down keyboard warriors. Those that hide behind a computer with a lot to say. And probably, if they were in the same room, they wouldn't say it to you. So, Clay, our question to you is, I'm sure you have not seen any of these as the CEO of the NSR. And if you did, let's break it down. Yeah, so this is a, an interesting topic and certainly one that uh, everybody can can navigate with their own personal opinions and things. And so, you know, the first thing I'll go back to a statement I made earlier. We, we've really, I think, and and I'm open to feedback of how we can be better, but I think we've tried to really elevate our communication platforms and, and perspectives over the last uh, year and a half. And so it's really interesting to me, uh, for example, after I did my Facebook live uh, that I get an email directly after that, that says, so where's the new show at? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know, things like that. It's always, and, and, Mick Bellamy probably, and if you all don't know, you need to get Mick on this because it would be it would be really interesting. Stories um, from the road with Mick. Probably want to uh, give him some direction, but uh, Mick put it best really on Thursday when he made the announcement. He said something to the effect of, "I generally read the whole announcement before coming to my own conclusions," <laughs> <laughs> and. There's something to be said for that. Uh, we try to put out what we think is very candid, direct communication. And and uh, when that happens, we, we try to do our part. The other thing is, I'll just say from from our perspective, and I, I offer this up, and I think I say it almost on every Facebook Live. If you have questions or, or comments or critiques, just call us. We're willing to talk to you and be open and, and have discussions um, but as you alluded to earlier, we've been through some uh, some interesting times. Um, I think a lot back to uh, some of the the Hampshire discussion that was going on on social media, and uh, you know there was just a lot of misinformation, and we were trying to put out information as quick as we could. But uh, you know, I always I've been using this phrase a lot. If I had a if I had a dollar for every time someone called or texted me and said, just between you and me, or rumor is I would not be working at the NSR. <laughs> I would be uh, somewhere uh, on a beach quarantined, um, probably sitting behind the keyboard as well, trying to <laughs> razzle up other people. But, um, you know, if there's just a piece of advice that relates to this, this is there are humans on the other side of, of, those things. And so if there's something that you would not say to a person to their face, really reconsider whether you'd put that on a computer. And I'm going to speak pretty personally here for a second. Um, There were a lot of things that were said about NSR staff during the Hampshire, uh, Hampshire havoc, as you, uh, as you all labeled it, um, that I took very personally. 
And, you know, whether it was meant to be or not, uh, I'm not sure, but I did take it personally. And, and I looked at that situation while there were some things that were done and decisions that were made that may not have been agreeable. As we look at where we are today, we're in a lot better place. And if you give people the time to navigate and make the right decisions and have the ability to communicate, generally those things happen in the general public's favor. And I just uh, always want to convey, and especially, you know, this is something I talk to with our junior board and our NJSA members. Um, when it goes online, it's forever. And, uh, you know, you can have a conversation with somebody, but uh, before you type something on a computer or you send it in a direct message to the CEO of the NSR, uh, think about if you'd say that in person. And, uh, you know, as I look through and I know one thing, I communicate very differently going through the role and being in the role that I am in now than what I would have before. And I think it's really important for people that also, uh, you know, negativity spreads, but so does positivity. And so if you're going to post things on social media or, or text or screenshot or, or Snapchat, or I'm not very familiar with TikTok, but if you TikTok things, I... I shouldn't have even said that because that's me being an old man. Not <laughs> what is, but, um, hey, we just discovered it not too long ago too. So you're good. You got it. You, you've just got to be positive. And again, if you have a legitimate concern or a question, just call and ask because we're willing to share. And if we can't share, it's generally because we don't know or it's something that's gen genuinely legally confidential. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we, we had a, uh, I think it was Heidi Anderson actually who said uh, we kind of had this same topic that arose in her episode. And she said, if you can't stand up with a microphone in front of a concert and say what you're going to say online, that's about the same kind of volume it will have. So if you can't do that in person at a live concert with a microphone in your hand and you're too, too afraid to say it, you probably shouldn't say it online because that's about the volume of people you're going to reach. And yes. I thought that was that that was pretty a good visual for folks to sit down and think about. I mean, um, and what's funny is uh, Corey and I have seen it recently uh, with some of the posts and messages we've got. And in in the grand scheme of things, it's just maybe one or two posts, but they weigh so heavily on what's happening, whereas the other thousands of replies and thousands of comments that are out there are actually pretty positive. Uh, you know, it's all different with what the discussions are, but those couple negative remarks weigh so heavily and speak louder than what they need to be. So I don't know that that's just my two cents. And I love that visual that Heidi gave us about if you can't stand up in the middle of a concert and say it, let's not put it on social media. Yeah. And I also think given our times, it's just, it's so important to be positive and to have a bigger picture perspective. And, and you know, I, I had people before we made the expo announcement that were like, well, I need to know because I have a hotel room booked. <laughs> and I'm not downplaying that that's not an important piece and, and, and part of what we do and going to shows. But I also genuinely sitting here when we have commercial producers who are having to make the decision of whether they need to euthanize, you know, hundreds of thousands of head of market hogs and businesses looking at whether they can stay in business. And 
people who have had family members that are on the front lines fighting a global pandemic. And I think it's really important given the circumstances and times that we're in to not only be positive, but also just have a, a, a bigger global empathy and perspective. And, you know, I, I use the hotel room as an example. I'm not trying to call anybody out directly, but you can cancel a hotel room. You can't save someone's life because of a global pandemic. You can't, uh, you know, and all of us that are in the, the show management side, and I think, you know, one of the things I wanted to convey on here, and we'll probably talk about it in a little bit, is just NSR is so much bigger than the shows, but we have an obligation to, to provide a platform for these young people and our breeders. But there, there's a lot of things that go into having the ability to have a live event. And so we can't just say, yep, we're going to have a live event and then release details and come up with decisions later. There has to be a lot of strategy, a lot of communications. And again, I, if there's one thing I really want people to take away from our given circumstances that when we get through all this and we come out on the other side, we've got to be a lot more understanding and empathetic to our fellow human being. And, and that's not meant to, to sound corny, but there are people going through genuinely very difficult times. And uh, we all want to show, we all want to be part of the stock show world. We want to all go out and have a live event as quick as we can, but we're all going through a shared collective experience together and we need to be empathetic and understanding other people's situations. That's, that's exactly where I was hoping that this conversation would go to is, is um, you know, for, for those that do feel the need to share their opinion, um, you know, via a keyboard uh, that's your prerogative. First of all, I, I, you know, that's, that's something that uh, obviously I can't tell you, what you can and can't do. But uh, what I can say is it, it is so refreshing when people have some scope and have some understanding versus those that maybe let their emotions get the best of them. And that's something, uh, you know, Clay, you mentioned some, you know, taking some of those comments personally, I take it personally too. Um, you know, Trevor and I uh, are, are hosting, uh, you know, an online showmanship contest, first, first ever online showmanship contest. And, you know, we, we hope and our goal with that is, is just to give the kids an opportunity to compete and to show off their, their talents and their skills. And uh, if that's not the big picture and the big picture is deadlines and, and all this other stuff, you know, maybe we should, maybe we should just have some more understanding or take some scope and really understand why, uh, decisions are made and, and that people actually have the best interests of the kids uh, and the youth uh, within these organizations at, at the core and not necessarily other things that might go beyond their control. And so um, very, you, you know, I could probably rant for a little while on keyboard warriors because it just doesn't apply to this situation now. I mean, we could talk about, all sorts of things uh, that can be involved with, with somebody sitting behind a computer screen and, um, you know, uh, stating their opinions and, and, you know, some of that's, some of that's okay. Some of it's, uh, I don't know, gets a little disheartening, but some of it's also great comedic relief. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, but uh, no, good stuff. 
it's a great platform to be positive as well. And I think, yes. I think Corey, you were commentating a virtual show on, on Friday, uh, you know, and, and you all have talked a lot about this situation. I want to give a shout out to this family. Hannah Zundel showed a pig on Friday. Yep. And that's the first time we've gotten to see her show given all everything she's gone through and, and the efforts that this industry has rallied around. And, and that's awesome. And that's something we need to celebrate and continue and, and so I don't want it to seem like we're we're dogging social media or, or being negative on on this. But the reality is that there are people on the other side of the screen as well. Mm-hmm. And there are people that are affected by your actions every day. And that's not just in social media. That's just how you conduct yourself and, and what you do. And so I think that that's an important perspective post-COVID for us to even have. Uh, but especially given what we're going through right now. Absolutely. Well, I was going to talk about this in our intro, but I think now is probably a better time than any. I actually, I've been keeping in touch with the Zundel family uh, just because it personally, it, it, it's, it, I got to judge the Pennsylvania farm show a couple weeks later, everything turned for the worse. And I actually took a phone call from Stacy Zundel there two days, two nights ago uh, just kind of asking how things are going and touching up with her. And um, she said, well, we actually entered our first show uh, this past weekend. And suddenly I've got chills. It was a little bit harder to talk um, just because of the the fight that that family had to go through and amongst a pandemic. I mean, they've been battling for, for a few months now. But just the, like you said, the perspective of, okay, where everybody wants to win, everybody wants to, you know, get their hogs out and show again. But here's a a young girl who all she has on her mind is to show livestock. That's all she wants to do. And she fights every day on top of other things. So uh, it, it, it sent chills down my spine to watch that great young woman show her pig again. And just the, the thought that that family had to go through and are continuing to go through. It's not over. Uh, but they were very, very thankful for the community uh, that that is the livestock industry for backing them 100 uh, percent. Eighty four lumber doing their addition and just I mean, she kept going on and on about how thankful uh, that the, that the Zundel family is for the community, just grabbing them and holding them tight uh, in a time of need. So. Uh, I I really enjoyed talking to to her, and I talked to Dave a little bit through text. But um, man, Autumn is is such an amazing amazing example for us to sit down and slow down in a weird time and just think about uh, what's life for a little bit. And I think I actually said Hannah, so I apologize to Autumn. I was uh, <laughs> I was reverting back to uh, to our past junior board members, but yeah. I hope. I think I said Autumn, but Autumn's the obviously the Zendel sister I was referring to. And shout out to Hannah as well, because I know she's been doing a great job on social media of promoting some things and being positive. So. Absolutely. Yeah, we're, uh, man, I tell you what, sitting there uh, next to Spencer, and I, I actually, Trevor had told me that, that Hannah had entered. I did not realize, though, at the time that I was going to be commentating uh, her you know, that show. And so, um, I was, I was struggling to talk. Spencer had to start talking for me a little bit there towards, towards the the middle of my, my statement, just of how cool it was that, that autumn was showing just, um, it makes you, 
you know, moments like that really, uh, it, it shouldn't have to be that way, but moments like that really help you just kind of sit back and say, man, this is why we do this. Um, and this is why this industry means so much to so many people. And, uh, I, I thought that was a, a pretty cool uh, moment in, in our industry. And so I think we should keep looking towards that clay. Like you said, positivity is the best promotion that we can, we can do now. And, um, you know, one of the things too, that I, I, it's not necessarily on our list, but clay, I thought, um, this could be a, a cool thing to address as well. Uh, while we're on the subject is, um, you know, one of the things that the NSR also does and we're really showing hogs in general, showing livestock in general gives so many different people the opportunity to compete and, um, to have a project. So, um, and obviously, I don't. I don't think this was probably going to happen at the new show, but uh, something that was going to happen at the exposition uh, that I thought was going to be a really neat thing, um, as it comes to uh, giving folks the chance to show pigs. Touch a little bit on um, on what you guys had planned. Obviously, unfortunate circumstances did not allow for that to happen, um, but something pretty cool that I thought uh, more people should know about that was at least uh on the schedule at one point yeah and i i think you're referring to our grateful champions yep. program in which we were going to uh and, and again we're not we're not canceling that totally i think we're just postponing it till a little better uh time and, and also when we can give it our due diligence and make sure it's the best experience but essentially a totally inclusive showmanship uh event for for young people that may have underlying health conditions or uh or have a, you know, some type of, some type of disability. And again, it's just our, our, our thought process and how we need to do all of our business, frankly, is how do we be inclusive? And inclusivity is a, is a thing that I think is extremely important. And it's one of the pieces that this industry uh, is totally unique from other perspectives and, and opportunities that young people get to engage with. And so uh, it was going to be a, a program where uh, we paired those with some of our junior board uh, and had a showmanship experience where they got to, uh, to drive and learn a pig, uh, drive a pig. And in some instances, uh, some of these young people may not have had a livestock background, but the opportunity to engage and, and have those experiences uh, is something we're excited about. It's a program we plan to, to continue. Um, obviously, uh, a little bit uh, as we are, as I said, I think I think our phrase and our theme has been be flexible and be agile uh, here over the last few months, and so we're we're doing taking the same approach with that program. But um, you know, we're trying to do our part as well, and and I think one of our just our kind of values here at the NSR is to try try to be family oriented and inclusive, and and that's an opportunity we feel like that we can do that. So cool. And I, I, I don't know if, if many folks that probably listen uh, probably didn't understand fully the, the uh, reason behind uh, that, that most might've seen on our, on their schedule for the exposition, but um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that grow and continue. I think that's going to be an awesome program. Um, Trevor, we're sentimental. Let's, let's quit being sentimental here for a minute. <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta pick it back up. Uh, it's raining here and it maybe had a little bit of a storm roll through. So, um, Clay, I, I gotta ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What, um, in your time 
as CEO of the NSR, before we we stop this breakdown, what is what have been? Let's do that, or what are the most comical, other than your your um, when you make an announcement saying that the show is going to be moved to Des Moines. Oh, where's the show going to be? Uh, let's. I, I want some of your favorite comments of all time um, in regards to announcements or or things being said. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to deflect for a second here so I can think about it. Uh, <laughs> there, oh, there, there are some really comical things that happen and just questions that you wouldn't you wouldn't think that you would get. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure when people go back and listen to this, they're going to go, oh, you should have said this. Yeah. Oh, that's, the, that's the logical one. Um, pro- I'll just say probably some of the most unique ones for me are things that happen at shows that are totally unrelated to the show. Like when people come running up and they're like, Mr. Clay, Mr. Clay, the men's bathroom is overflowing. Yeah. And you're just <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Let's see what we should do about that. And, you know, things like just perspectives and, and things like that, that just totally catch you off guard or, um, and again, I'm, I'm babbling here cause I'm trying to come up with trying to think of a really good one here as of late. You'll think uh, of at least five tonight before you go to bed. I, I would guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, you know, things that happen that are totally unrelated to the show are often things that, uh, are pretty comical for us. Um, uh, well, I, another thing that's pretty that happens pretty regularly is if you're if you're familiar with our our programs, which we're actually working on developing a new show program and, and digital system. But the folks that are like, well, my kid's not on the sheet, and it's just on the next page where it's cut off because it has to be continued. It's just how our our program is is built. And I, I say this both in reality and joking. We are trying to develop a new pedigree solution. Our current pedigree program was built originally in DOS, which means that Pac-Man is almost as advanced as the original <laughs> system. So we're trying to adapt that. But uh, oh, yeah, you, I, I should have thought about those. A Way to put them I on did. the spot, I, I put you on the spot. It's my fault. This is Jeez. what I do. Uh, well, when we roll into these other questions, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll think of some that'll pop in my head and I'll just stop and go back to those. But that there's, there are a lot that I just at times shake my head and go, I, I never would have dreamed that question would have been asked. Well, yeah. okay. So this is, and I, I, I say this because it, it is funny. And, and also I kind of want to make a point that let's make sure that we're reading everything that is, that is posted or listening to everything that is said when announcements are made. Trevor and I had uh, more than on oh, more than one occasion. So like I said, I'm not calling out individuals here, but we had several folks ask what time uh, or, or what time things were due or <laughs> Uh, where is this located? How can I find this? And everything was spelled out very specifically uh, in more than one way. So uh, when we get those kinds of things, uh, man, it just kind of makes you sit back and laugh. But like, it also kind of goes to uh, the details that are involved uh, in some of these things it can be missed on occasion. Um, so let's just make sure that we're we're reading through all the way. Yeah, before well, we when you post a graphic this. that says due may 10th 10 p.m and then there's questions there's comments of hey 
when does this do? <laughs> it's, it's going back to what you said, Clay, about the, hey, where's this show going to be at now? But, yep, just be more uh, more aware, I guess. So, Clay, uh, has anybody ever asked you for an autograph before? Uh, not in my role at, C- at NSR, no. Okay. I had to I had to ask I because you know I, I figured there could be that you know similar people that run up to you saying Mr. Clay Mr. Clay the bathroom is overflowing might come up to you and say Mr. Clay Mr. Clay can you sign this uh I actually should have you sign my uh, so I saved I know people can't see here um but uh because I'm weird and I, I will never put a scrapbook together, but I do save things like this. So I actually saved, uh, you can see on my screen here, people that are listening obviously can't, but I did save my exposition um, schedule booklet uh, with all the sponsors and the show day schedule and everything. Um, I should have you sign that so I could frame it. I'm, I'm sentimental like that as well. And I'm a collector of all things vintage livestock. And I will tell you that one of the first things I kept related to some of the other topics we've talked about in previous topics, I printed off a copy and kept the first provisional Hampshire pedigree that came out. And oh, I have it yes. Uh-huh. When someday when uh, I'm old and decrepit, I will still have uh, still have the first one of the original and only provisional Hampshire pedigrees that was <laughs> issued. So see, it's good. It's guys like us that uh, when we, when we retire, we will have a collection of things that are worth uh, several hundreds of dollars to, to certain people. Um, I would like to leave a legacy of collectible items like Ralph Doak dig. I mean, that's, that's, Oh man, it's man. working for Kevin went. We had to dig through that huge auction that he had that sparked my curiosity and, addictive ways of collecting vintage livestock. My seed stock edge magazines are stacking up. Doke had a lot of those and (laughs) just going back and flipping through pictures. And even the ones from like three or four years ago, it's like, wow, we've made some changes. So. Okay. I've come up with my answer, Corey, for your, for your question. We've, we've deflected long enough. (laughs) This isn't anything specific, but. I can I can tell you that at every event, literally after the announcement is made, particularly, and what really resonates in my mind was at Belton. And sometimes I understand the audio in the barns aren't great, but there are people that are literally standing behind the announcer stand, and I'll go up and make an announcement that say check-in is going to end at one thirty. Make sure you get your boars up, and I'll be sitting there writing something down and they'll turn to me and go, what time are boars done checking in at? And they've literally, I saw, I got to know what's your response. And I usually just say one thirty. <laughs> and you should, you should say check in a lot of patience and, and uh, you know, and again, I'm not, we're not saying any of this to make fun of people by any means. And I know that sometimes audio in our facilities aren't great, but it's just, at times it's like, and also another time that comes to mind is, you know, when we're sitting there and I'm, uh, for example, like if I'm taking down weights at a show and I'm writing things down, uh, at the scales, trying to keep accurate information. And then people just sit down next to me and start talking to me. I'm kind of like, I'm clearly not doing anything else and trying to focus, but go ahead and ask your question that oh, we've already answered. So, yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it takes a special kind of patience 
to you. I, I don't, you really are probably an 80 year old man in a, in a 20 somethings uh, uh, body because uh, obviously at that age, you've heard it all and uh, your patience level has, well, I guess it depends on what side of the fence you land on. Uh, yeah, some have completely heart. deteriorated yeah. and, then some, and then some are just like, oh yeah, uh, this is okay. But uh, man, kudos to you and your patience level. Uh, your kids will be fortunate um, to, to have a patient father. Uh, <laughs> but I'm telling you, that is, uh, that is a, a virtue I, uh, I envy sometimes. Now we do have to have patience right. in, in some of those situations, but I would love to be a fly on the wall when you finally lose it for the first time and just say, I just made the announcement entries for you are closed. You Ooh. don't, you don't get to weigh in now <laughs> <laughs> because of your lack of paying attention. Oh, geez. Totally kidding, but it would be hilarious. Well, uh, Corey, we're going to shoot the last question that we do with every guest this season. And Clay, that one is, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned while your time in the show stock industry? Well, apparently, according to Corey, patience. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. No, I, uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to make a subtle fun jab at Ernest Donahue here. I don't have a seven point plan here for this question, but I do have some, some general themes and points that I'm going to address. <laughs> I listened to Ernest's podcast there a few weeks ago, or, and uh, it was really funny. Uh, we did a herd visit out there back in February, and uh, he'll tell you that I was extremely – he was driving us up and down the mountains uh, there in Napa, kind of pointing out where things were at and everything. And I, I was grabbing the, uh, the handlebar pretty hard because he uh, – <laughs> He obviously is much more comfortable with mountainous environment. Than I am. <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of break down the lessons into three different themes. Um, and the first, uh, the three of them are people, the pigs slash livestock, and then kind of the future and progress. And so I just kind of want to identify each one of those uh, here. The people side, you know, one of the biggest lessons I think you learn is that the the industry and, and just your network in general is very small and you never know uh when you're going to get the opportunity to re-engage or, or be a part of something and and i think every relationship you have is is crucial and so one of the examples i was going to give as crazy as it is i was looking through all the people you've interviewed on past podcasts and i was trying to come up with the most random connection that i would have with one of them and the one I came up with was Shane Meyer. And the connection I have with Shane Meyer is I actually, along with my graduate professor, judged the heifers at the first ever Battle of the Cattle show. Hmm. And so when you look at those things and think about it, you have no idea where and how you're going to stay connected. And our industry is so interweaved. Uh, and, and so I think that's an important lesson for people to hear that kind of ties into the message of, be careful and be uh, be cognizant of what you say, uh, but also you know how we adapt and we we develop and we work through and, and go through our industry. Um, another point of of just the the people side of things is, I think it's really important for folks to identify mentors, and I think that's something that 
as I look at my career, um, and I'm not going to list a whole many bunch specifically because there are a great deal. And I feel like there's some that, you know, everybody comes into your life uh, at the time you most need it. And there's a reason that they engage in your life. And, and I think that identifying mentors, whether that's in your professional career, or one of the things I think we're really striving to do and hopefully going to get this program off the ground in the next year or two is basically a professional development program for young breeders to interact and engage with what we'll call seasoned or master breeders and have some um, institutional knowledge exchange. And, and some of that goes back to uh, my days at Farm Credit and Corey would, Corey would be familiar with this, but like at top producer conferences and just in agriculture in general, um, succession planning is a huge topic. Mm-hmm. And as I look at the makeup of our industry, uh, we have as much opportunity for folks uh, to either transition or convert their operation or just simply get out of the business. And when that happens, we want to make sure that we're taking that knowledge and making sure it's being passed on to the next generation. So this business is sustainable long term. And so I think that's a key part is identifying and, and, and be willing to know those mentors and, and truly learn from, from them. And again, uh, in my role where I'm at, I, I have what I call kind of my brain trust of people that I reach out to. And, and a lot of them are on boards and a lot of them aren't. And uh, some of them aren't even involved in our industry just because I like to get different perspective and, and uh, get some ideas. But uh, moving on to kind of the second part of, of this, and I think you've kind of positioned it at this question is where do you see the livestock industry going? So I'll talk about the livestock side and then I'll talk about just kind of the future. But I really think that uh, from a swine perspective and a, and a just general livestock perspective, uh, we really need to keep in mind the uh, goal of what we're doing which is one, using the livestock as a tool to develop young people, but two, also to reemphasize the point that these animals do end up in the food chain. And I think we had a lot of this discussion when we went back um, and talked about ractopamine, but I, I don't think, and it's, it, it's one of the greatest advantages of the growth we've seen in the show pig sector is people that don't come from traditional agriculture have gotten involved and have a lot of enthusiasm around exhibiting specifically show pigs, but just exhibiting livestock in general. But when that happens, we lose some of that connection to production and to the food chain. And so I think it's our responsibility as promoters of the livestock industry and as our association to make sure we emphasize that and place education around that because um, it's great to it's great to talk about uh, whatever the neat trend is in an animal, but at the end of the day, um, and I'm not saying that we should always be, you know, the reality is show pigs specifically are not probably ever going to be back realigned with what is valuable in a commercial hog production uh, in the near future. But there are pieces in commercial hog production that are equitably as valuable to both sides. You know, and that's not just in phenotypic or genetic traits, that's in biosecurity, that's in marketing, that's in uh, health protocols. And so I think that's extremely important as we look at, at that and where we progress forward. The, the last part I would say is just where I see ourselves going. And um, 
I'm going to say this a little bit tongue in cheek. I, I went back, I think it was two or three years ago and spoke to uh, Lakeland's ag marketing class. And they asked, what, what do you see could happen in the next three years? And I said, to me, as I look at potential threats and challenges, I think we'll have a global uh, disease outbreak that will threaten our ability to have uh, shows. And I think we always need to be cognizant of how do we develop revenue streams and opportunities for breeders and young people if we can't have a live event. And unfortunately, I don't want to project that I was correct, but unfortunately, uh, those are some of the things that have come up and we have to adapt now and change. And so I think as we look at how we do business, one, I think we have to realize that uh, we're in a very different age. Um, we have to understand that there are inherent risks in everything we do, but our job as we market and merchandise livestock moving forward is to do our part to mitigate that risk. And so that may be, you know, looking at broader online opportunities like we're doing with the draft. Um, it may be looking at how we can continue to have a live event, but shorten the time that we're actually there to help reduce health risk for both people and livestock. And so ultimately, as we look forward in this and we make and develop solutions, I think it's important that we are progressive and open-minded. And I think one of the most interesting things I've heard, and, and we participate in a, we're in a, uh, most of the breed associations are in an organization called the National Pedigreed Livestock Council. And we have an annual meeting. And one of the most, I would say, impactful statements that I've heard at one of those is, one of the best things about breed associations is tradition, but one of the worst things about breed associations is tradition. And so it's understanding we have to embrace where we are and where we've been, but also not be so blinded by where we've been and where we are to not see where we're going. And I think from that perspective, um, I think COVID-19 has been a really big wake up call for the industry. I'm not saying that virtual shows need to or should replace live events, um, but I've been joking with Kyle Pullen when all the ASF stuff came up, I said, maybe we should consider having virtual shows. And then when COVID-19 came up, I said, well, it looks like we're gonna need to develop a solution for virtual shows and not to replace live events, but to give people an outlet um, to ultimately at least exhibit and present their livestock and help merchandise it. And so I think when we come out on the other side of COVID-19, we're going to have a very positive upswing. I think there'll be a lot more enthusiasm. And, and I hope the, the biggest thing is, I think we as an industry have taken shows and communal gatherings for granted. Right. And I hope that when we come out of this, that we have a better appreciation and liking to what we do, whether it's going to college football games or showing livestock or attending concerts, that these are really privileges. These aren't guaranteed things that happen in our everyday life. And so I know um, as we make plans for our large joint event in July in Des Moines, that I'm going into it with a very different attitude of if we can have it, which right now we're very optimistic and the data is saying we can have it um, with provisions is I'm going to have a very different attitude of being gracious and excited to just be at an event and maybe not get caught up in why the uh, 
men's restroom isn't open on one side or things like that. Right. So, um, you know, I, I just think that as we proceed forward, we need to be open-minded. We need to be progressive. And most of all, I think we need to be grateful. Absolutely. Yeah, yep. that's, and it does. This crazy time brings out uh, the best and the worst in some people. But once we're on the other side, I, I totally agree with you. I'm going to sit down at the chair back at the pins a little bit more. Just kind of soak it in instead of worrying about if my bear is full enough. You know, it's the, those things you get all caught up in sometimes. It's just, man, yeah, you just take it for granted. You know, and you want to talk about, on a lighter note, um, <laughs> what's funny about all this, actually, Clay, and, and you might appreciate this, and you've probably thought about this too, is is uh, those that uh, maybe questioned or were a little upset about the move from Des Moines to Indianapolis get their wish now, ultimately. <laughs> Um, by virtue of a global pandemic. So, um, you know, I guess uh, that's another positive way to look at things. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, perspective is tr- is very, very real. Well, it's one of those things that, yeah, where the event was, was a really big deal uh, six to nine months ago. And right now, I think, uh, obviously, as centrally located as possible to uh, equip the best uh, for most people is the goal, but to mm-hmm. me, the places are relevant. It's, yep. it's if safe can and it. can we host an event and can we do some of those things? And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I've seen back, back to our, uh, uh, what'd you call them? Keyboard warriors. Yes. A lot of people commented, well, it's good. Cause this is where it should have always stayed. And again, there's reasons why we made that decision on the move that were exactly bigger than just, you know, Oh, you're, we want to try something new just because we want to try something new. There's obviously uh, our relationship with NPPC and, and rep and respecting that and making sure that we are doing our part to protect the global pork supply, which I think is generally something we need to do our part in. Uh, and so, yeah, that's been a, but we're back in Des Moines for now. So we're, we're excited and we're excited to put on a live event. Absolutely. I'm sure, I'm sure people would be more than satisfied um, showing in a live setting, no matter where it was at this point. So you're definitely right. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I'm with you. We could, we could go show, um, on a floating boat in the Island, uh, of wherever, if we had to, you may be, be okay onto something that. there, Corey, we may just have to hey, try that out anyway. We, <laughs> I mean, they've played basketball to... on a ship. Why can't we show pigs? That's right. Let's uh, the first. Well, you guys, and you guys are, I was going to bring this up because you guys are big Pat McAfee fans, right? Oh yeah. Huge. Yeah. I was going to say something to the fact we're going to be showing pigs nationwide and on the moon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the moon. Yeah. yeah. Love it. We're, I hope you guys don't get like a cease and assist letter because I said that by the Pat. McAfee. Honestly, if we got one from Pat McAfee, I'd totally be okay with it. <laughs> Yeah, we need to talk to that guy anyway, pick his brain a little bit. But No, Clay, we really appreciate you opening up your story and uh, telling us uh, all the good things going on. And the industry is uh, glad to have you as one of its leaders. So we appreciate you jumping on the show here. And hopefully there's light at the end of this tunnel. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to jump on the show. And again, appreciate all you all do as far as promoting the, the show side of our, our business and uh, again, we're optimistic and excited to be having a live show in July. And if it's, uh, you know, if it's unfortunate that we can't, it's not because we didn't try. And that's what I think uh, 
our philosophy is moving forward. We're going to do everything we can to have a, a safe and socially responsible event, but also the opportunity to have a live event uh, for all these exhibitors that have these animals on feed. And um, my mantra and motto uh, proceeding forward has kind of been just let the kids show. And that's mm -hmm. what our goal is going to be. And um, we're going to try and provide that environment, whether that's in July or September, or October, we hope it's not that late, but uh, that's what our mantra is going to be. And we're going to do our part to, uh, to make sure that happens. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate it and we'll see you at the next show. Sounds great. You know, I really been thinking about this 30 for 30 deal, Corey. Yeah. That, uh, we could be onto something here. Yeah. Well, Clay could be onto something. Yeah, it was Clay's idea. It'll always be his idea. But maybe we can uh, roll into something there. So, anyways, guys, we hope you enjoyed that one with Clay's Willing, uh, the CEO of the NSR. Lots of changes happening, but it's exciting change. Those of you who maybe didn't really appreciate the uh, change of the show, the exposition moving to Indianapolis, uh, guess what? It's back to Des Moines. Uh, although, yeah, it's all under one umbrella now, which... Really in interested to see what you guys think about that conversation we had of yeah. all three big, the ABA, the C CPS, and NSR. Yeah. You can at me. I don't care because I think it's a necessary thing that, that uh, should happen at some point in time. And uh, clearly, those things uh, are on on people's minds at the NSR as well. So very exciting to hear progress, great update. And uh, for the love of all things, please, if you have a comment to say to somebody over the internet, make sure you could say it to their face first. Preach. Mm, that was a good thing that we discussed there. Um, Jeff, people should definitely, uh, Follow us on yeah. all the socials. We've been pushing hard and saw a good spike, but uh, we know we haven't reached everybody, and we want this to be on every single street corner and lamppost like in the good old days. Give us a follow. We are everywhere. We are now even on TikTok, although we don't have anything up there. We more so just spend hours flipping through it. But things are coming. I will tell you that yeah. much. Uh, we're on. Look for a collab. At yes. Some point. Yep. Uh, TikTok will be utilized, but obviously we are heavily involved on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the Snapchat. So, um, also congratulations to all those exhibitors of the Showman who made it to the top ten and are advancing on to round two of the finals. Got incredible payouts, belt buckles, banners. Mm -hmm. So really cool to see how. When that, do I get a belt buckle? Is, you know, we ought to just make a big old cowboy one, like an eight just inch by eight inch. Deal. Like a, I want to be able to eat off of it. Yeah. Right. Big old with, dinner with plate. just a big stock talk diamond in the middle. Maybe we just go straight to the WWE belt buckle, like the big old. Now we're talking big old thing. Yeah. Now we're talking we're that's, more so of your shoulder than around your waist. That's what we should have done for the showman. Instead of buckles, we should have <sighs> gave it away. Yeah. Belts. That'd been pretty cool. Uh, next next show idea. If somebody steals that idea, I copyright. will copyright copyright down copyright copyright. You heard it first. <laughs> if somebody gives away WWE belt as an award for any livestock show related festivity, you are 
we're going to sue you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I know a good lawyer. Uh, Darn know. it. <laughs> that or we better be a big part of this show. Anyways, yeah. guys, uh, we uh, we really enjoy listening or listening to you guys on our social media platforms. Please uh, add us if you have any uh, thing you'd like to share, potential guest, whatever. We'd like to interact with you, and you will hear from us if you do that. We love each and every one of you. We'll see you in seven days. <laughs>